Hi, this is Mike McDonald, and welcome back to PH Expanded. Thanks for listening in. I uh, wanted to cover the uh, uh, fourth league victory in a row. Wow, gosh, where did that come from? Uh, I want to start by uh, just covering my general uh, thought of the game. Uh, I was reading Drew Thompson on Twitter after the game, and he made mention of the fact that uh, we are second in the post-Christmas table and also mentioned something that I thought was a very valid point um, off the back of this game, that if we had changed coaches post-Christmas, then the uh, new coach would have been lauded for getting the team into uh, second place um, in the post-Christmas table, so to speak, and we'd be looking forward and not uh, picking on Arteta quite as much. So even though the blog today is somewhat picking on Mikel, I think that uh, sitting back and reading that and remembering that primarily it's the results. And the results have, in a strange way, been rather good, even though it doesn't feel that way. Just my opening thought there. Um, got a sliding doors moment. I mentioned this uh, in the blog, uh, which is the crux of my written piece uh, today, is the, uh, is the rebellion that I felt happened. And it's not the, the first time that I feel that the players run out of belief in the patterns that their coach has given them. And the other team have clearly figured it out and shut it down. Uh, and the players make the decision to improvise. I, again, might be wrong, happy to be wrong. We'll never know exactly what the communication is. But those, uh, the second and third goal, just seemed like um, two of those sort of sodded moments where Odegaard got it and thought about passing it square and decided he might want to try to make the difference and did it. Uh, wasn't something that was pre-planned, like much of all the rest of it seems, at least. And then the Pepe moment was, <laughs> I don't know if he just felt the game was won and just started playing playground football and thought I was, yeah, I'm just going to go go give it a shot. Why not? We've got a few seconds left. Um, even though most coaches would yell at you if you missed that because you're supposed to take it to the corner flag. But I just loved it. I didn't necessarily love that he rebelled when he should have taken it to the corner flag. But it's more that he rebelled at all. I just feel that the players have got to keep doing that. Because I feel like if Mikel Arteta does not make it as Arsenal's coach, then it will be because he doesn't learn. Um, that he's not humble. I keep saying this, I feel like a scratch record, but I strongly think that this is the uh, the sliding doors moment for Mikel Arteta himself. He's got to evaluate at the end of the season that there's got to be a blend of these patterns, this organisation, this attacking organisation, which has its place, but seems like it's 95% of what we're trying to do. And, you know, the other team is there too. They're watching these tapes before the game and they're playing the game. And after a while, they know exactly what we're going to do with our next pass. So the risk-averse football that we've been playing most of the season, we're killing ourselves. And we've got talented players. I mean, Odegaard, let's just take Odegaard. He was brought in for his flair. 
we saw the YouTube clips of, you know, these slide rule passes um, breaking between two defenders and some glorious balls behind. I thought it was a genius signing because Aubameyang plays for us. He would just revel in those kinds of balls. They don't really happen much. We're not leaning into it. Odegaard's just become another cog in the wheel. And then you look at Pepe and you see his direct running. And if I was Arteta, I'd spend extra time with him in the changing room after the game and say, look, man, let's watch that again. Do that again. Run at them more directly. Be an individual. We didn't bring you to Arsenal Football Club and spend £72 million on you to pass the ball sideways. Gosh, try not to get too frustrated. Just feel it's important, very, very important, that Mikel Arteta learns that this is the player's game and he's treating it like a coach's game. And even though football is moving that way and he's part of that, it's just a trend. It's not the ultimate way to play. Okay, uh, a positive. Time to be positive. Well, back to Pepe. Pepe's uh, direct running in the box for his third goal, we talked about that. Uh, Pepe um, cutting back to the penalty spot like he did with our beautiful um, first goal has been seen before. Um, And all of this reminds me that if we want to see a third season superstar that I think that we all see that we potentially have, he's got to get himself into the box more regularly. Because regardless of how he dribbles, his main quality is not dribbling, it's finishing. And that's to his credit because he has spent more time dribbling than finishing in his career. But it's obvious to me that when he's in the box, Um, Much, as I say, similar to Mohamed Salah receives the ball, you know, 10 yards inside the box. He can be, I mean, almost as deadly. But if you watch highlights of Mohamed Salah, he's getting, let's say, you know, six to 10 shots a game inside the box. Every game. And Pepe's getting one, maybe, maybe two. What a shame. And, you know, maybe we could occasionally switch that inverted fullback. And, you know, once we buy a a right back that's the equal of our left back, maybe our left back can be inverted sometimes, allowing our right back to go on the overlap, allowing Pepe to play inside the box and receive the ball where he can finish rather than have to be the assist guy. That's his strength. I think it's important too. Okay, the need I've picked out is something I spoke about in the blog, didn't want to talk too much about it, wanted to talk uh, in the audio here uh, about my my feeling as to why Arsenal really haven't conquered the final third yet. So I think that Arteta, behind the scenes, has known for a while that this is a long-term project and has, it's been communicated to him that he's safe in his job. So rather than rush in trying to teach Um, everything at once, which I think was the failing of his predecessor, he's going to take his time. Now, as a coach myself, I appreciate that. I, in my current job, don't have pressure on my job. So I can take my time too. And I don't have to switch from trying to help my team be better at possession 
to set pieces, to defensive organisation, to finishing, and try to cram it all in and get good at all of it, when quite honestly, one or two sessions is just not going to change the automatisms that, that the players have. In order to change a player's game, you have to repeat and repeat. So this is what I think is happening. I think that Mikel Arteta spent the first part of his reign working on defensive organisation far more than anything else, and it paid off. As we can see, we are one of the teams in the league with the fewest goals conceded. We are far more serious as a defensive unit, significantly more organised. It's rare that we have a point at players and say, look at that minimal effort he's giving to block a shot or chase someone back. Those days have gone. So credit to the coach, it's the best thing he's done at Arsenal Football Club. It took him a while, but it should take a while. And now, I think he's been in a, a period where he's been working on possession. And we go from a while back, being nervous, you know, watching uh, Arsenal try to play out of the back, keep possession in the midfield without losing it. And those days have gone. We've become far better at, uh, at just keeping possession in the defensive and the midfield third. So my theory is that the final third has certainly been worked on. Don't get me wrong. I just feel that it has been somewhat parked, left whilst we focus on the next piece of our development and have repeated sessions on the importance of keeping possession because football is now also not just a coach's game, it's a transition game where most of the goals are scored off winning the ball back. So, I think he knows. I think he knows he's going to get time. Lucky him, huh? And that he can wait, maybe wait even for the right players to come in before he spends too much time working in the final third. And so, like a, like a good teacher, Mikel Arteta has taken his time and been allowed to. And I've got to say that this may end up being a genius move by the club, showing confidence in, in a coach that's capable and wants to take his time and doesn't want to teach everything in one season and have very little impact on the team because they have head knowledge but their feet and minds can't do it on the weekend. OK, the hope I'm going to pick out is the Joe Willock debate. Uh, I talked quite a bit about that in, in my piece but just wanted to reiterate that Joe Willock... Um, if he's sold, I think it will be a sign that Arsenal need money, that they're not being heavily invested um, uh, in the background by the Cronkies, which is what we're hoping for, we hear whispers of this, is that the importance of raising money is the primary concern. Because, I don't know, if we had money to spend... Uh, without having to sell Joe Willock, why you would sell him. And I know that some people say, well, he's at his optimum price because he's he's on fire. I totally get that. But he's a young player. He's an Arsenal boy. And the biggest problem is we don't score many goals or have much goal threat and almost nil from midfield. So um, for us to sell our best goal-scoring midfielder when we don't have anybody else that's doing that, a guy that can be used, you know, so well in a 4-3-3 if we do go that way, even as a starter. Or just be used as a impact sub, much as Newcastle have. Um, I think is 
would be a mistake because I think what you would do is you'd sell him and then you'd realise on the backside that you needed that kind of player later. We all need a midfielder who's going to score goals and threaten that. A player with energy, a player who can impact off the bench and that isn't a striker. Arsenal have lots of attacking players that uh, can um, offer threat from the bench, but not from midfield they don't. Not at all. So I think super important decision on Willock. And I think if we see him sold again, it's because the club needs money and um, prioritises investing in other areas and are willing to sacrifice what he may bring. Finally, the what's next? Okay, um, many people are debating, should we wish for the Europa Conference League? Okay, well, first of all, why on earth did they call it the Europa Conference League? I mean, could they not have come up with a more fancy name than Europa Conference? That just makes at least British people think of the, uh, you know, the, uh, the second tier of professional football and just a very low level, certainly a level that Arsenal don't want to be a part of. Um, anyway, that's not important. What is important is what's of more value? Is it more valuable to play in that league um, so that our squad players get minutes? Maybe Balogun doesn't sign that contract if he wasn't given him just a little encouragement that he was given in the Europa League. You know, um, in order to maintain a squad and keep a happy environment, you've got to offer those games. So there's the argument that um, you should do that. The trouble is, in reality, if we don't have Europe, there'll be many weeks where Arteta has a full week to focus. And even if he gives a lot of the the training to other coaches to get ready, to get Group B ready for the Europa Conference game, and he works with Group A, the first team, on the league game, he's still got to attend the European game. He's got to go. He's got to have some focus there. And so his focus is split, essentially, between two teams. So the argument to sort of send the B team to the Europa games doesn't really help the coaches focus. And so uh, I personally would love to see what Arsenal could do with a season uh, that's exclusively focused on the Premier League. And, you know, I would use the League Cup and the FA Cup for one season to play essentially just the B team players and the under-23 up-and-coming players um, and offer them the opportunity that they can be in the first-team squad if they impress in those games. But we're not going to use those games and Europe in order to... Um, uh, offer you minutes this season. We're gonna, we're gonna just give you those cup competitions, those domestic cup competitions, and you're gonna have to prove it that way. Um, I just think it would greatly benefit Arsenal to have a season of of uh, focus on the Premier League, and I think most all Arsenal fans, given the option of being successful in Europe and in England, would always go for the domestic competition, the English Premier League, and so I think that that's what most people would agree with. I think. Hey, thanks for listening, and thanks for always reading. Cheers.